This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. As we continue our focus on technology, I think it's time we talk about screens. You know, screens, the thing that you're listening to this podcast on right now, the thing that used to be on a computer that was the size of a room, and now some of you have a refrigerator that has a screen that can tell you when you need milk. What's the big deal about screens? Are they just a thing that parents have to live with, or are they a sign of the apocalypse, or are they both? Today, I want to tackle some of those questions and more with two different conversations. After the break, I talked to Chris Casper, the founder of Techless and the maker of the Wise Phone. You may have heard of this phone, and as we have a series of conversations around technology, I will take the time to present what I personally think are great practical solutions, like the Wise Phone, for a lot of concerns parents have around their kids and technology. I'll tell you more about Chris later. But first, we're joined once again by Mark Matlock. Mark is a friend of the Iwana ministry, and he is the president at WisdomWorks, as well as the insight lead at Barna Group, and he is the co-author of Faith for Exiles. You can learn more about Mark and Chris in the show notes, but Mark and his co-author David Kinneman came up with the phrase, screens disciple. And we started the conversation around that phrase and all that it means. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for listening to the Resilient Disciples Podcast. This idea that screens disciple, when David and I put those two words on a sticky note for the first time, it was kind of like this, oh, wow, because just about every industry has been impacted by the internet, right? Publishing, media, every everything's been been disrupted. Real, real estate. I mean, it's just amazing when you really get into how many things have been disrupted. But the question is, how has the church been disrupted? Hmm. Because a lot of attempts to do internet church and things like that haven't really taken off because there is something very powerful about the physical presence and meeting and local nature of our congregations. And it was at that moment that I realized, oh my goodness, church in terms of a gathering local body of believers may not have been disrupted by the internet that greatly, but discipleship has been disrupted. Oh, wow. And so, um, and, and we were maybe blind to it. So let me give you an example. So I've got a, a young man in my youth group and he uh, tells me one day that he's questioning whether God exists. And so I talked to him a little bit about that and he starts arguing pretty good argument against me. Now I've seen this, I've been at my church for 30 years. I've seen this kid, you know, almost conceived. Right. So (laughs) it's like, I've seen the arc of his life, you know? Um, And uh, I'm kind of going, you're not smart enough to be talking to me about this subject on the level that you are, where are you getting that from? Right? Right. So I, I, listen to a few phrases that he was using. I typed them into Google and sure enough, this website pops up and it's how to debate a theist. Mm. And right there, you see screens discipling. Mm. He was going to the screen first to ask his questions before that he would come to me Mm. and he might, as long as I've created a, a trusting environment, he'd come to me and he'd say, Hey Mark, I'm uh 
I'm doubting whether God exists. I'm maybe even a little afraid to tell you this because I'm afraid of how you're going to react. And I talked to him a little bit about, well, how have you experienced God's presence in the past? Have you ever experienced God's presence? Um, we might do some apologetic discussion. Uh, I usually don't start with apologetics because I want to start from a relational place, sure. not a intellectual place. Um, we might have that conversation, but now he has already gone on a journey for months while he's been attending church frequently participating in mission trips and different activities, but he's been having a separate mentor in his life. That's been leading him down a different path so much so that he was able to argue a position against me. Um, even though he's never met this person before. So that's what I mean when I say screens disciple, um, when, you know, it used to be our kids for sex education, they had to go to a person and go, Hey, how are babies made? Right they're able to now type anything that they want into a search engine and get those kinds of answers about subjects that are far beyond what most uh, questions, you know, kids would ask. So this idea of like, even when my, my son would, you know, ask me some of those questions, I gave him some real basics. Sure. And then I just said, there's a lot more to it, but you may not want to know that right now. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I think I'm good. And I'm like, but I just want <laughs> you to know there is more. And when you want to know more, I will tell you more, you yeah. know? And, um, and so I'm able to regulate that. There's no regulation on the internet. If I type something into to Google, whoever's got the best SEO search engine optimization, whoever's paying for to be seen, they're more likely to pop up in my right. child's life. And I may not have any idea that's going on. Now yeah. that sounds really scary and ominous. The internet's also an incredibly wonderful thing too. My children were coming into their teenage years just as smartphones were becoming like available to like adults were going, I'm on my second or third generation. And now I have an extra one I could hand down. Sure. Right. So we just started seeing kids getting smart, really smartphones um, beyond the flip phone kind of a thing. <laughs> so my wife and I had a lot of conversations about this, you know, yeah. what do we do? Do we let them have this, you know, their friends have it, we're getting all the pressure. And I, I, as somebody who's kind of an ex, more of a, saw my, my children as lab, a laboratory <laughs> uh, to understand <laughs> discipleship and family dynamics and ministry. I was like, I think we need to let them have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think we need to just lean into it and see That's where this hilarious. goes. Uh, I think my wife was probably right. Uh, <laughs> and that we should have probably held, held off as long as we could. But this generation has a different at, what we need to understand about younger children is they have a different relationship to technology than even uh, kids a decade ago, yeah. because these were new devices. Parents were learning them as kids were getting them too. social media. It's hard for us to believe that, you know, YouTube, I mean, a Facebook did not exist in 2006. Um, my, um, you know, that's when it was, when it first was kind of launched and came, yeah. kind of came on the scene. In fact, I remember writing to my, um, 20th high school reunion attendees. Hey, there's this new thing called Facebook. Maybe we could stay connected on that as like my follow-up letter to <laughs> all of them for attending the, um, I think so it's hard to, for us to remember kind of like, it's hard to remember what it was like 
to not know how to ride a bike. Once you learn how to ride a bike, yeah, it's the same thing with social media. And so it's hard for us, but this generation's growing up and they're it's everywhere. So it's not as impressive. It's not evolving in the same way that it was when they were younger. We know some good and bad about it. There are some best practices from parents and horror stories that have happened before that we can learn from and wisdom that we can glean. In fact, a Barna, Andy Crouch wrote a book for us called the tech wise, uh, uh, family yeah. and his daughter, uh, who is a freshman in college. She just wrote a book called the, my tech wise life, which is kind of her perspective of technology as a young person, two incredible resources related to this in terms of how to regulate technology as a family. But yeah. this is, a you know, this is a really uh, important thing for us to realize. Now we enter into the pandemic and, you know, all that we're doing, everybody's now talking on screens. Yes. That's become the primary way. I, I literally have a television studio in my house now <laughs> <laughs> because of all the presentations that I'm doing from here that I can't do, you know, live. Yeah. Um, it's a whole new world as far as this goes. Right. But, um, at the same time, that's good. Parents are a lot more aware, but what we've seen is that kids are using technology differently than they, than they have been. And so we just need to be put some parameters around that for them. Um, and, and, and we just, in our Gen Z volume two research that just came out today, we asked, uh, 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 13 to 21 year olds, basically, you know, does your generation spend too much time on their screens? 60% said yes. Oh, um, wow. 25% said their generation spends just the right amount of time. Um, you know, 3% said my generation spends too little time on screens. Oh, and wow. then 13% said, I don't think it really matters. So there is an awareness of this. And a lot of parents will recognize that sometimes their kids are telling them to put their phones down. My kids do that all the time <laughs> to my wife, not me. Ah. Uh, they'll tell her, you know, <laughs> stop playing on your phones and be, be with our family. So not true. It's me. No, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the spoiler. Look before but... my wife calls in and says, well, uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Why are kids leaving the church after high school? What if the strategy to change this started in children's ministry? The Child Discipleship Forum is where children's ministry leaders, senior pastors, and parents gather to collaborate, pray, learn, and dialogue about the most critical factors to shape long-term discipleship in children. Featuring speakers like Ed Stetzer and Gabe Lyons, as well as children's ministry champions like Dr. Wes Stafford, we will unite together at the Child Discipleship Forum in Nashville or online on September 16th and 17th. This is a critical moment for us to shape the future of the church and make the greatest generation of disciples the world has ever seen. Save your seat at childdiscipleshipforum.com. Hey, it's me. Before we get to my conversation with Chris, I want to be really clear about something. Do I think that the Wise Phone is a great product and something that could be a great solution for a lot of families? Yes. Do I pretend to know what's right for your family? Absolutely not. 
But the reason that I think it's so critical that people like Chris and companies like Techless are out there are because we all as parents and as children's ministry leaders are having to deal with the rise of technology and what Mark just talked about with screens discipling our kids, sometimes more than we are. But the good news is that there are people like Chris out there who are leaning directly into that tension with urgency, a biblical worldview, and a practical solution. Chris and I start with a question I've never asked anyone before. Why and how did you make a phone? Thanks for listening. Yeah, yeah. And to, to kind of resonate with you here a little bit, I'm actually a non-technical guy. I'm a marketing guy. <laughs> Good. So, um, so yeah, why would a non-technical guy have the audacity to dive into something this crazy? Um, it's a good question. So my wife and I are just like many people that are listening to this podcast, uh, are passionate about kids. We did foster care for years. We've had seven kids come and go in our house. Good for you. Yeah, it, it's been quite an adventure, but uh, we had a, a 10 and 13 year old girl that were dropped off at our house and the caseworker, you know, we filled out the big two inch stack of paperwork. Um, and then the caseworker said, don't let these girls near anything at all that looks like a smartphone. Like, okay, because they get in big trouble with it. They've done some crazy uh, stuff in the past. I can't go into details, but sure. it was bad. And he said, okay, well, what do we do? Because we wanted to be the type of parents that empower, not say no. You know, we wanted to start mm-hmm. out day one, giving them freedom um, and things we could trust them with and not be these bad guy jerk foster parents that yeah. down the wall. Um, and we really struggled. Uh, and finally found that Amazon Alexa was this really good device for them because it was non-visual. It's still connected to the internet. They could still ask it questions and learn trivia and play Whitney Houston. I will always love you on repeat again and again and again. (laughs) And they, you know, they plugged it in all over the house and outside and it was this perfect device. But it, what was cool about it was that we could trust it at the device level. Mm. That was the secret sauce that, you know, the worst they could do would listen to some songs with expletives, but that did not eat away at their soul nearly the way that some of their smartphone stuff had in the past. And so I was just ruminating on, okay, device level restrictions are extremely powerful. And then just looking, you know, through that experience for looking at it for our foster kids, you know, we had, Oh, here were our options. We could look at flip phones. Um, but flip phones are kind of awkward. Kids don't like using them. T9 texting is a pain. You can't actually communicate. And if you really look at a flip phone, it's actually the least safe device because there are zero restrictions. They have access to the internet, most of them now, and you can't, oh. it's a, so flip phones are actually the worst. That's funny, um, yeah. And then the, the next- Because I think people look this. at that with the nostalgia and they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I wanna go back to when I had that, but yeah, no, in the current setting, of course, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, it's it's safe, but it's actually not. It's actually <laughs> one, of the, one of the most dangerous devices out there for kids. Wow. Um, and, and then the next thing that a lot of people do is they have smartphones and they lock them down. Hmm. 
And I can say that it might be possible if you get your PhD in smartphoneology, <laughs> um, you know, it just Google, Hey, how to lock down a smartphone and you'll find a 20 step checklist. And if it's six months old, it's outdated yeah. and kids are smart. They know how to get workarounds. And just at the end of the day, there was nobody in Silicon Valley that cared about this group. Um, there were just, you know, engineers were thinking about other problems. They're thinking about the mass market and this isn't a, a niche group. I mean, there's 8.5 million kids age eight to 12 that we estimate that have phones. I mean, that's a lot of people, goodness um, gracious, but they just don't care about offering him something that you just safe, trustworthy, pornography free. You can hand it out, hand it to them out of the box. And it was a crazy idea, but I was reading Psalms 127.1 and it said, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. And I said, okay, this is one of those crazy things. If it's going to work, God's going to have to make it work because it's yeah. not me. And so we just dove in and here we are a couple years later. Um, we've launched a product that's on the market and it's changing lives. Absolutely. And uh, I love that story. I love that Psalm. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a foster parent as well. And I think there's something about foster care that is uh, like all parenting where you sort of have that moment of, oh, right, there's no handbook for this. But with, you know, when you're dealing with children who have experienced some level of trauma in, in the case that you're talking about, right, trauma that you don't necessarily have a full lens for, having the urgency of having to figure that out day by day to do it the right way. Like you're talking about of not having to just tell them no and be another adult in their life that didn't see them, but wanting to empower them. Um, it's amazing that you and your wife found a way to do that. And then the fact that you then took that sort of epiphany moment and, and brought that into a product that can be sold in a marketplace, uh, is very impressive. And you know, you and I have known each other all for about 10 minutes, but I'm more of a fan now than I was 10 minutes ago. So like, well, the cool thing was yeah. is when we gave them this device, it really helped our relationship. And that was the beauty. That was the thing that I wanted more of. I was like, Hey, if more parents could have what we just created with our foster kids, like we weren't tuggling or, you know, struggling back and forth over where are the device restrictions and can I have more screen time? It was just, just go and yeah. have fun and enjoy it. And that device level restrictions opened up and improved our relationship. And that's what we wanted to do with the phone. So. Yeah. Well, and you, and you, you touched on something that we have a conversation around a lot in the terms of just children's ministry of there's this massive people group that have specific interests, but because there aren't the same kind of dollar metrics, um, or the metrics of success look different, right? Uh, they don't get a seat at that table. And the fact is you have been able to create something that centers, uh, the well-being of a child in a product that we use every day. We talk a lot about how uh, screens have become this uh, discipler of our kids. The ways in which an older generation has have to, had to navigate that, I think most people would be the first to admit that they don't really know what they're doing. And you have sort of leaned right into that by going after one of the most uh, emotional moments of that, which is when a kid comes to their parents and says, mom, dad, can I please have a phone, right? Because I would imagine for the people who are buying this for kids, that's the reason why they are coming to your product is because they finally couldn't deal with the FOMO of their child anymore. 
Yeah, so that's definitely the number one thing that we hear all the time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my kid really wants a phone. I mean, I was talking, our early ultra beta group uh, that was testing this had a 14-year-old that never had a phone. And all, every, I mean, it was every single kid in his class. And yeah. they made fun of him. And it was kind of a sad situation. But his parents are some of the most loving, genuine, awesome parents. And they lovingly walked him through why we do not why you don't have a phone yet. Um, and he understood it. And it was a really cool thing to witness even a 14 year old. That's kind of the light later into that spectrum. I would mm-hmm. say usually. Um, but for, for us, it's easy. I mean, it's like if a kid says, Hey mom, I want energy drink. And you say, no, you can't have energy drink, but you can have lemonade. They're pretty excited about that. It's better than water. <laughs> so for first device, it, most of the time kids are just thrilled, you know, yeah. hey, now, now I have access to my friends. I, and they come up with games on text messaging. I mean, you'd be amazed at the creativity within a very restrictive, um, system that kids still have and and also the life lessons that they begin to learn um, within that restrictive system so that that kind of tackles the i mean it's easy it's a gift for first first time users you know sure. now it's i guess three parts for me one i can trust them with it uh, two, it allows what I would call the right amount of insight into what's going on in their life and so you know if a kid's 18 years old, 21 years old, we don't need to be checking their text messages, looking over their shoulder. That's, you know, too much. But for this early stages, when they're first learning how to communicate with friends and you can help them navigate some of the trickier conversations by having a degree of insight into what's going on. Um, And then third, for me, gives me time back. You know, there's so many things that I as a parent should be focused on. I, I know every parent in the room feels stretched and this is one less thing, and it's not the end-all solution. It's not the holy grail silver bullet of solving your tech woes. Um, <laughs> but it allows me to focus on things like building character within them and not have to worry about policing this device constantly. So it's just one less battle, I guess. That yeah, fight. absolutely. And I think people the folks who take the time to listen to us talk about this on a podcast are people who are more inclined to focus on the things that really matter. But I also think that it's important for people to understand, you know, you were someone who you, like you said in the beginning of this conversation, you right. You were a marketing guy, right? So you saw an opportunity in the market that also comes from really the dangers associated with s- smartphone technology in the hands of kids. What do you say to the parent who is feeling that pressure to get the kid the iPhone or feels like they are losing their child to a screen? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a huge question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's, it's very difficult. I mean, so many people see their kids start headed down this road or they feel like they've lost them already. And Mm -hmm. that's, you know, if you look at the statistics that are coming out, if you look at what, what we're starting to see is just like fast food used to be convenient and cheap and easy and cool and awesome for us. And then wait a second, it's, it's actually ruined our lives and causes heart issues and makes us obese. And there's all these problems that have come out after we've consumed and become mm-hmm. addicted and, and, and cigarettes kind of the same thing early on, no big deal. And now they're slapped with 
skull and crossbone warning labels, I have a feeling that the next big trend is kind of mental health and people realizing the effects of social media, digital addiction, whatever that looks like. And, you know, 20 years from now, we're going to be looking at that in the same light as fast food, as we did cigarettes, whole nine yards. Um, and I would just say, you know, if you love your kid, you don't let them touch a hot stove. If you love your kid, you not fearfully, boldly, confidently help them navigate these and introduce them to this. I think people are more capable of that than they, they think. There's a, um, a fear that I think a lot of people have in recognizing that, oh, my kid's already smarter than me in this, right? Like you were talking about kids find workarounds, right? From them being a digital native, right? They grew up where this was already a thing and we have seen it evolve and evolve in such a way. Uh, but what I hope people hear in that response from you is, is the urgency of treating this like a hot stove because everyone has it isn't a good enough reason, right? Like you still, obviously, you know, your kid best. Every family is unique, like no judgment on any of that. I, I, I don't want to bring about a fearful message. I mean, God yeah. is big, right? He, and, <laughs> um, but I also can't let go of this idea that the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking opportunity. And there is a huge opportunity here, um, in our devices. And for so many reasons, um, you know, reason one is the people that made them, like I said, they don't care yeah. about this at all. I mean, think about it back in the day, early, like we're in, we're early stage startup, right? We're making huge philosophical fundamental decisions right now about the future of our company ethics and whatever that looks like design and even coming at it from a biblical worldview. And you'd be surprised how different design manifests itself when you look at it through the lens of the Bible, but mm -hmm. like things like, I mean, there was a day where Google sat down in a boardroom and said, yeah, we are going to allow searches for pornography and therefore we are going to be the largest proliferator of porno pornographic content in the world. I mean, they made that choice consciously to make that an okay thing according right. to their company. And, and if you think about it, what they're creating and being handed to your kids has just profound implications of things that you should be very wary of. Um, and so everything like uh, screen time usage, this is one of the hot topics. The social dilemma came out. Um, the documentary, if you hadn't seen it, highly recommend it. Products are designed to grab our attention. Right. Um, they are designed to maximize usage and be used the most amount possible. Um, and you know, these things know our brains better than we know our own brains. Yeah. Uh, they are like, they're experts at milking our attention and they're just going to get better and better and better as time goes on. Cause it's algorithmic based it's learning. I mean, it's AI, it's smart. Um, and so what, what stops that? What stops these guys that are creating this stuff that's just designed to hack our brains. And the answer is you as parents <laughs> or, or well, the, yeah. our, our kids, godly character. Um, but other than that, it's free reign. I, again, I don't want to be fearful, but this is making, it's rewiring the way that our brains are working right now. Um, and so I think if you present, Hey, here's a phone that can do all of these things. And here's all these things that I will know about it. Right. If you are presenting that sort of, if you are that transparent with your child, Odds are your child's not going to say, oh man, like I wish I could hide stuff from you. They're just going to be happy with the transparency and the respect and the, what they are able to do and engage in. And it's not going to feel uh, overbearing to them. Cause I think that could be a concern for people is that, 
oh, I, I don't want my, you know, kid to feel like I'm looking over the shoulder and you're providing a freedom to essentially do the exact opposite by being incredibly transparent. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's actually setting the rules of the game that are the rules of life. Yes. In life online, everything you do actually does get tracked and you may or may not think it does, but it is. Yes. So it at least puts it above the table. Um, (laughs) just like, you know, like if a kid steals something early on from Walmart, there's a consequence to that. And you're, what you're doing is you're lovingly preventing them from going to jail when they're 22 years old. Yes. Um, and it's that same game that we're playing here. It's a lesser version of the real life consequences in the future of a transparent world that we live in to provide a solution to parents and be more intentional about how they introduce their kids to essentially the evils of this world on the, on because God has an usher in a new Eden is an incredibly useful thing. And I hope that people are excited about the opportunity that a product like this could present to them to actually begin to do something about it. Cause to be, go back to our original conversation, a lot of people feel the way that you do. A lot of people feel like, man, tech is a big deal. Um, it's becoming a problem for my kids and you decided to do something about it. So just, again, thanks for doing something about it. Cause I think it's really important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I would also just say, I mean, as much as we work hard to make wise phone, you know, seamless, <laughs> that's what it's designed to do. It's not the silver bullet. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, it's your own kids. It's your own character. It's their walk with the Lord. That's the kind of stuff that helps them walk through the fire. Um, and so we want to help even in the character building side of things as well. But at the very least, oh, the way I look at this is it's one less battle that a kid has to fight. Yeah. Um, and one less thing that's just constantly knocking on their door. And so it provides them a simpler, more innocent childhood. If we can do that, let's do it. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk next week.